Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Chief Stephen Dewar from Guelph Wellington Paramedic Services. We've kind of forgotten about paramedics, haven't we? We've venerated the doctors and nurses in our hospitals, we've hailed the overworked and underpaid staff of long-term care homes, and we've made celebrities out of medical officers of health. In those terms, our paramedics have been the forgotten spoke in the wheel of Canadian healthcare this pandemic, so it's a good thing that they have a whole week dedicated to their work. Paramedic Services Week just wrapped up this past Saturday, but under the theory that it's never too late to pay tribute to our heroes, we are going to do just that with our local paramedics on this week's episode of the Guelph Politicast. Next week at Committee of the Whole, Council will receive the 2020 Performance Statistics and Information for the Guelph Wellington Paramedic Services. And it turns out that they managed to meet their targets despite the pandemic and even exceeded them in a couple of categories. There are numerous reasons for that, as you will hear, but the bottom line is that our paramedic service is doing their job and they're doing it well. That's not surprising news. But it might be even more surprising when you consider all the additional work that paramedics have been called upon to perform during the pandemic, not to mention the demands of the pandemic itself. In a time of lockdown, who else voluntarily walks into multiple homes and residential settings to perform medical services with the knowledge that they might be exposing themselves to a deadly virus? To wit, paramedic services suffered at least four cases of COVID-19 over the last 15 months, and it's a small wonder that they didn't suffer more. Perhaps it's not a wonder, though, so much as it was the preparation, skill, and caution, and maybe that's why the topic for this year's Paramedic Services Week was Paramedic as Educator, Citizen Ready. The Ontario Association of Paramedic Chiefs wanted to cover the usual ground about how regular folk can be ready to deal with an emergency situation, but this year they also wanted to promote the variety of ways that paramedics have helped people through the pandemic, from patient transportation to the delivery of vaccines. Here to talk about all that on this week's Guelph Politicast is the leader of Guelph Wellington Paramedic Services, Chief Stephen Dewar. Chief Dewar will talk about how the service has maintained its response times, the advanced procedures that paramedics have to go through because of COVID, and the mental health stresses on paramedics because of the pandemic. We will also talk about servicing a rapidly growing community like Guelph and the Wellington, the ongoing demands of dealing with the opioid crisis, and whether the paramedic service is getting all the help it needs to be the best it can be. And finally, we will talk about how the pandemic might have changed emergency services forever and what Dewar has learned about the job he's done for decades in just the last year. So I caught up with Chief Stephen Dewar earlier this week via zoom chief steven doer thank you so much for joining me today thank you for having me uh to begin with um i mean just how are you how are uh your paramedics doing i mean it, it's we're, we're, we're kind of tr always asking you to give us the condition of the community but we never really stop and ask what your condition is so uh, how are you guys doing yeah thanks for asking um i think people are doing well um they're tired uh speaking for the paramedics it's you know it's been a long long year and a bit 
um, and they're they're putting in a lot of extra effort. Um, and, you know, and I think like everybody else, they're tired of restrictions and they just want it all to be over and go back to quote normal. But um, but overall, I think you know people are they're keeping their spirits up, and I'm you know proud of the work that they're doing. Um, they're coming to work every day and they're they're getting it done. So so uh, I'm again proud of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Can you paint a picture for us? I mean. Unless we're in an emergency, we don't typically see a, a paramedic as they're sort of out and about on the job. But I mean, in the event of there is a medical emergency and, and somebody calls for an ambulance, you know, what do the paramedics, you know, what, what does that look like when a paramedic arrives at, at the home now? And, and like, what are the, the restrictions and the precautions you, you're taking? Yeah. And, and it's a little bit different now than it, than it, than it used to be in that, uh, and there, there is a little bit of concern raised sometimes by people, but um, so paramedics, in addition to, we've always worn gloves and we've always, you know, put on safety glasses if we were concerned, um, but now they have um, an additional uh, face shield. They have an additional gown that they will wear, a disposable gown. Um, some of it, it, the full amount of it is based on um, the information that's already been collected over the phone and it's relayed to the paramedics en route. Uh, they also have a um, reusable or a reusable rubber mask and it looks like a Darth Vader thing. Um, so <laughs> it can be very intimidating uh, walking into somebody's house wearing a, a face shield over top of a mask, over top of glasses, a disposable gown. Um, it, you know, it, intimidating coming in that way. It's also the, the minute or so that it takes them to get dressed outside the house so people see an ambulance pull up uh, and then they see the paramedics getting dressed and putting this on and putting that on um, and it uh, there have been some people that are saying what are you waiting for and and mm. they just need that minute to be to be safe um, uh, safe for them safe for the people you don't want them to bring in whatever they may have been exposed to the last time so it's a it's a it's a disposable gown or or a washable gown it's a one-time use gown so they're not bringing in something from the last call um, but it is a little different than than rushing in um and um that's you know sort of one of the main considerations um and then of course um deciding which hospital to go to but also when you get to the hospital being really careful about not exposing people to other people and um and, you know especially if the symptoms could be related to covid we want to make sure that people are isolated and um and everybody's safe so so there's a little bit of a difference that way as well mm-hmm. it sounds so much more complicated right because i mean you, you you know the paramedics pull up they hop out grab their gear put on the gloves that's a matter of seconds but then yep. they get right at it and then you know, go right to guelph general which is um, i guess usually the first stop or the the, the most um, unless you know you're out in wellington county of course but inside right. guelph that's the yep. that's where you're taking people but now there are all these like sort of other steps in between and it, it's part of that too like as the 911 operators gathering information, are they like trying to find out if that's like a, a, like a home in quarantine, like somebody in the home is quarantining because of COVID too? Well, they are, but, but more of the question is, you know, could this, could this fit a set of symptoms related to COVID? So, mm. you know, does the person have a cough? Does the person have a fever? Does the person, anything that could be associated with, with COVID, which unfortunately is almost everything, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, as much as they can, and sometimes a lot of the times they, they can't possibly know if they're, if we're responding to a, to a car accident, you can't possibly know what, 
what the person might have symptoms of in the past. Um, but as much as they can, you know, if uh, if they hear that the person's been in bed with a fever for the last week, well, they'll pass that on to the paramedics and, and they'll take potentially even more precautions or at least know when they're going into it, what they're walking into. So mm. uh, that's helpful. So. The flip side of this too, and this is coming up to Committee of the Whole um, next week, is the annual uh, response times report and, and how um, the, the, the service is doing in terms of responding to various emergencies and things. Has there, I mean, and I've seen the numbers, of course, and anyone can go see the numbers right now, and it seems like there has not been too terribly much of an effect of all these extra pandemic precautions on the response time. But I mean, has it been measurable in other ways? Like, do paramedics themselves feel like they're kind of slowed down in responding by having to take all these extra precautions? Yeah, it definitely takes longer to do each call. So, uh, but the other sort of offsetting piece has been a reduction overall in our call volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think about 5% less calls in 2020 than there was in 2019. Um, a couple of different factors there. I think some people are a little bit hesitant to go to the hospital. Um, and uh, as long as it's a minor concern, that's okay. If, if somebody's having chest pain or, or shortness of breath or something serious, they should they should absolutely call us anyway. Um, but there's a little bit of hesitancy. There's also uh, nursing homes will be a little bit more, hes- a little more hesitant to send their, their people and will probably try to arrange for a physician to come and see somebody inside the home so they don't have to worry about cross-contamination. So some of our call volume is down that way. Um, when we have fewer calls, we're able to respond a little bit quicker, but then you offset that by more time on task with all mm-hmm. of the, the personal protective equipment. So our response time numbers haven't really changed. Um, it, yeah, I think one has balanced out the other. Um, paramedics, I think they feel, uh, and they feel it that that because of the more time on task, there um, it, it feels a little bit more intensive as you're trying right. to do this work. So um, it's it's all it's all relative, I guess. <laughs> it, I you know, having heard you lay all that out, I I, I wonder if it is concerning too. You know, if people are perhaps caught in genuine medical emergencies but hedge like do i want to risk the trip to the hospital do i want to risk the trip of bringing strangers into my home even if it is paramedics i mean is is, how how real is that threat to community health it's something that that not just us but but hospital um and and other medical professionals are looking at as far as you know how many uh how many deaths are outside of the hospital that you know maybe could have could have gone to the hospital sooner, um, you know, especially people with chest pain. There's so many treatments and, and strokes as well. There's so much, so many treatments that are time sensitive. Um, if we can get um, to a, a person that's having a heart attack soon enough, um, it, and you mentioned earlier, we go take everybody to the Guadalajara Hospital, not necessarily everybody. If we do a 12 lead heart test and determine you're having, you know, a heart attack, we'll take you directly to St. Mary's Hospital mm. in Kitchener, where they have a cath lab, and we can have you in the cath lab within you know an hour of the onset of your symptoms really really good results at being able to reverse some of the damage caused by a heart attack or at least keep it from from being just you know uh, causing you to have a lifelong disability Um, so we're really sensitive to the times and there's a lot of people watching to see whether overall the trends are that that you know people are actually um putting putting off calling and 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 that that's causing harms Um, i mentioned strokes and strokes will go directly to the stroke centers um but fortunately right now um or now 
Guelph General Hospital is a stroke center. Um, again, we can get you there within three hours of the onset of a stroke. We can sometimes reverse the damage or they can if we can get you there. Um, so time is of the essence and we, we really you know, wanna make sure if it's serious signs and symptoms, um, don't hesitate to call us. Um, you know, it's a little bit scary with, like you said, the, the risk of, of infection, but, um, but, but our paramedics are pretty good and the hospital's really good at, at uh, keeping people isolated from each other. And things like pain in the chest or, you know, some of the symptoms on the offset of a, uh, the onset of a stroke. These are things people tend to write off. Oh, it's just indigestion. It's all whatever it, you know, yeah. it's so, it's so easy for people to just say, Oh, it, this isn't the worst case scenario. So I'm not going to call yeah. an ambulance at the, yeah, even I'm at the best of yet. times. Yeah. I'm not yeah. dead yet. That's right. Yeah. Little shortness <laughs> of breath. Oh, well, maybe I exerted myself too much and yeah, you know what? Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of denial that uh, people go through. I think uh, it's important to highlight that uh, in the, in the midst of what's been going on with the pandemic, your, um, your team has been doing things that aren't necessarily responding to calls. So, you know, what, what are, what, what kind of responsibilities have been in, uh, have, have you and um, the paramedic service taken on since the pandemic? Yeah. And I'm, and I'm really proud of, of the team. Um, when, when, um, the pandemic started, if you go back to last year, even in May, um, if you remember, there were outbreaks in all of the nursing homes or a lot of the nursing homes and, mm -hmm. and pressure from the province um, to public health to to test people in nursing homes and find out if how many of them were positive, if they're positive. Um, that posed a real challenge for public health because they're not typically mobile. Um, and so they were trying to figure out how logistically do you go into a nursing home and test 100 people and... Um, um, so we said, we'll see, you know, whether, yeah, we're, we're at capacity anyway, uh, but we'll see if we can help. Um, the way that we staff is that we have obviously full-time paramedics who are scheduled to work, but we backfill with part-time paramedics. And that is stereotypically, that's a, a recent graduate from college from the paramedicine program who takes on a part-time job to backfill absences um, while they wait for a full-time opportunity to come around. So we have some capacity that way we could um, backfill some of our full-time people, um, let them help public health and, and give some work to some, some part-time people. We did that. Um, well, we asked whether any of our paramedics would, would consider going into nursing homes where there's an outbreak and actually testing people. And when you think about that, do you want to go into the, you know, to the, to the nursing home where you know there's infected people. And we had a huge number of our paramedics step forward and say, absolutely, I'll help however I can. Um, so that's how it started. We were going into nursing homes. We were, we were doing the swabbing of uh, people there. Um, we had a mobile clinics that were going around to different sites. Um, and then we were asked if we could help in the actual swabbing centers. Um, um, you know, it started out on Delhi Street. It moved over to um, the Victoria Road Rec Center and it's since moved again. But when they were having trouble with staffing, you know, paramedics have got some experience in this. Can you help us? And uh, again, we put it out to paramedics and, and I'm, you know, really proud of the people who stepped up and said, yeah, we think we need to help one way or the other, we need to help. Um, so, so we were doing that. Um, and that transitioned into, um, again, when vaccinations started in, in early this year, 2021, um, there is also a need to go to people who are in their homes that are with mobility issues who couldn't come to the clinic. So, so public health had a list and they asked us if we could help. And uh, again, paramedics said, absolutely, we'll, we'll do that. Um, we've vaccinated over 200 people in their homes um, in addition to 
uh, working, you know, in these, in these uh, centers, both in, um, well, it's currently in the Western Rec Center, but we also mm. um, have helped staff in the, the uh, uh, vaccination center in Fergus. So, um, um, you know, quite proud of, of the paramedics for stepping up. This isn't work they typically do. This is, you know, in a little bit uh, putting themselves in harm's way. Uh, but especially with vaccinations, that's how the that's how the pandemic will eventually end, right? Is when we vaccinate enough people and, and they know that and they're saying, how can I help? Um, and then more recently, um, a few weeks ago, we were asked to help in the Toronto area when there were so many patients in ICUs there um, that needed to be moved out of the Toronto hospitals into the surrounding area. Um, and there were so many transfers that were waiting and not enough resources with the paramedic service in Toronto and in the area. Um, they asked all of not just us, of course, but all paramedic services, um, can you send an ambulance and uh, help us with these transfers? Um, so we put it out and said, again, any of our paramedics, you know, are you willing to do this? Um, it, it, it's almost definitely COVID patients. So you're putting yourself from a potential COVID patient to a confirmed and, and it's work, you know, that's addition to, to the stress that you're already doing. This was in additional days on top of their current work. Um, and again, we had we had a number of people that stepped up. Um, we were able to help out there. Fortunately, uh, about two weeks ago, they the, the with the third wave sort of ebbing, we've been able to to uh, step down from that. They they told us they can now handle the transfers that are left. So um, that's I think a good sign for the province, and it's uh, uh, hopes means that we don't have to 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 upstaff more ambulances. But um, again, couldn't ask more from from our staff for stepping up like that. I think it bears reinforcing that, you know, on their days off or uh, in their overtime hours, you have your paramedics volunteering to go to Toronto or the GTA area, getting COVID patients, verified COVID patients into their ambulance and being in that enclosed space with COVID patients for an hour, two hours, however long it takes to drive them to, you know, a, a different location. I, I just, I think, I, I just, I, I want to leave that thought with people um, yeah. as just like <laughs> talk about putting yourself in the line of fire. Yep. And absolutely. And in, in those cases, in the Toronto cases, that's uh, it's in addition to their 40 hours a week, 42 hours a week. Um, some of the other ones it's, okay, backfill me on the road and I'll go to the clinics and, and help there. But the, the, the Toronto transfers were in addition to their 42 hours a week, their day off, that's how they spend it. And as you said, you know, in, in Guelph, um, if you, even if you have a patient you suspect is COVID, it's maybe 20 minutes in the back of an ambulance. If you pick somebody up in Toronto and transfer them to somewhere like London, it's an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and um, it is putting yourselves in harm's way, but it's also being able to help somebody who desperately needs it. So, um, and they know they're making a difference. So, yeah. It's, it's... I mean, it reinforces just how much has sort of been asked of, of paramedics, um, you know, different health professionals have sort of been allowed to like buckle down, be inside their silo, whether that's at the hospital, whether that's in like various clinics and things. Paramedics are kind of the, the go-betweens between all those things, all those jobs. And what has the pressure been like on, I mean, not just like sort of the physical, because if you're working more than your allotted hours, right. But I mean, I imagine there is also a mental health component to this as well. There is absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not wearing the green epaulets now, but uh, the, the month of, uh, of May was mental health month and, and we were wearing green to sort of symbolize it. And, and there's a lot of emphasis on 
we got to take care of ourselves too. Um, it's stressful, you know, it, it's stressful all of the time. It's stressful, um, you know, having to tell parents that, that their child is critically injured or their child has died. And, and those kinds of things will always take their toll on the paramedics. We have a really strong team at Guelph Wellington, a team of, uh, of peer support. So, so that paramedics can call one of their own peers and talk it through. And it, it seems to make a difference for them. But in addition to that, the stress of, of, every day going out and, and uh, seeing COVID patients. And I would think it's, I would like to say it's not even so much about maybe I will get sick, but it's, they then have to go home and, um, you know, our paramedics have to say, I can't pick up my child until I've showered and, and, you know, taken off my uniform and done all of that. And even then there's this big risk because you're going to call me three days from now and say that patient was COVID positive and, you know, you should, you should be in isolation um, or, or, the paramedic develops a sneeze and is that allergies is that the pollen or or have I contracted <laughs> something and have I brought it home to my kids and my family and my parents and uh that's that's a real big stressor and um yeah they're working through it but it's it is hard I laugh because it's been a bad, a bad couple of weeks for pollen all around and I appreciate yep. that as someone with allergies myself how about from the other end the the you know your the paramedic service has been offering all this great support for the community but do you and um your team feel like you are getting the requisite support or that it's from our local level of government the provincial government uh the community itself like are you feeling supported right now absolutely um the city of Guelph. so so we um you know, we are a division or department of the city of Guelph. Uh, we provide our services into the county um and um I, I update the, the county through social services committee, but it's ultimately we're a department of the city. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think even the paramedics recognize that, that we are supported by the city. Um, they've been, um, you know, the people, the executive team here at the city have been really supportive of, of the efforts of the paramedics. They have recognized that um, paramedics are, are putting out that, that extra. Um, and, uh, the County of Wellington has been uh, supportive as well. I've, you know, kept them as informed as I could on, on the actions that we're going through and they've expressed their support um, and even the media. And I, you know, I appreciate you, you letting me brag a little bit about what our paramedics <laughs> are doing. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think that, that, you know, paramedics tend to be the, uh, tend to be in the background. Um, it's, it's a sort of an intrinsic satisfaction from the job. You don't expect people to turn around and say, thank you. Um, occasionally it happens, but more or less you, you get your own satisfaction from knowing that you made a difference. Um, but, but it helps with the pandemic to have people um, recognize that, especially when you've, you've taken on those extra roles that we talked about, to have somebody say thank you for, for picking up those overtime shifts and going into Toronto. Um, thank you for, for uh, agreeing to, to go to vaccination clinics that, you know, you don't necessarily need to do. Um, it helps. You don't often see people on their best days. And we know that they're <laughs> You know, if if you're just been through some dramatic experience and your your loved one is has critically injured or critically ill, I don't expect you to take the time or to think about the niceties of turning on and saying, "Well, thanks for your efforts." Um, paramedics yeah. don't. Uh, we we certainly understand that. Um, so when it does happen, it's really appreciated. But but we certainly don't, you know, say, "Well, look at that." They didn't even say thank you for me trying to uh, save their life. Um, it's right. It's, not expected right but even before the pandemic i mean 
the service covers a, a great big area. And you just kind of mentioned that. You, you're not just doing Guelph, you're doing Wellington County too. This is a growing area, period. Guelph, especially in the middle, not quite in the middle, kind of tucked away near the bottom, but it, it is growing itself. Are you, you know, are you seeing that you're able to meet that challenge of the, I mean, leaving aside the pandemic as, as much as we can, but I mean, just the sheer logistics of covering this huge an area. Um, are you, are you able to, I guess, meet the challenge? So, um, I'd love to be able to provide a better service. And by service, I mean um, response times, because once the paramedics reach you, um, you know, our paramedics are second to none. They're providing excellent care, even, you know, in, in terms of, of what's out there in the community. So so there's a sort of base level of, of care that's prescribed by the province. This is what you will provide. And then there's some optional treatments. Our paramedics do all of the optional treatments. Um, we have advanced care paramedics. We have some of the optional protocols um, and, and our paramedics are very good at it. We have a, a really robust quality assurance program um, and even um, where paramedics feel like they're a little bit weak, they can come in and, and, and um, get some, some education. They often self-identify that I, I need to review this. Um, they're second to none as far as the care that they're providing. So the care is really excellent. Um, trying to reach people, you know, in the, in the remote, the, some of the rural areas, um, it's really difficult to balance the, um, the distance that you have to travel with having ambulances on enough corners. Um, and as you said, that the other piece is that that the call volume is growing dramatically. So we've had um, uh, a, some an outside consultant come in and look at the trends as far as the population growth and the planned development. Um, that plus the trends for um, paramedic services. Um, call volumes are increasing even within a, a static population grace, and that's probably because yeah, you, you get sent out of the hospital sooner. I mean, you're you're kicked. You're, you're sent home from the hospital uh, within 24 hours of having a baby. And most of the time, that's just fine. But every once in a while, there's a complication. Um, and that's where we're involved. So, so we see more patients. Um, and so that consultant sort of did some computer modeling and expects that our call volume will increase by 46% over the course of 10 years. Um, that started 2017. Um, and so we built a, a master plan to say we need to add resources, um, but we didn't want to come in and say, hey, we need 150 more paramedics and that'll affect your tax base by this much, um, recognizing we need to be reasonable and, and that, you know, councils have a lot of competing interests. And um, so we built this plan to gradually add resources, monitoring the call volume as it increases. We add another ambulance here, another ambulance there. Um, two years ago, we added an ambulance in uh, uh, Center Wellington. Um, so we have one ambulance there 24 hours a day. We added another 12 hour day shift there. Um, we added another resource in the city within the last year. Um, council's been really good about, about approving those incremental increases as we demonstrate the need, our call volume and, um, uh, and, and our demands go up. Um, COVID adds a wrinkle to it because our call mm -hmm. volume went down, but, but uh, we don't know is that temporary and then but we had an increase as, I, as we talked about an increase in uh, um, time on task so that sort of balances out um, but council has been very supportive about saying in order to maintain the level that we've been providing um, we need to, to incrementally increase again I, I, I'd love to be able to provide service uh, even faster um, in a, but I also realize again that both councils have city and county have have uh, 
demands on on the tax dollars and and i'm a taxpayer as well i don't expect uh i I recognize anyway that we can't uh, get everything we want i think it would be irresponsible to talk about paramedic issues without talking about the other pandemic and i think you could probably know what i'm going to talk about is the opioid pandemic and i mean this is another front line that your paramedics are on every day has has i mean there's been a lot of news and statistics about the the increase in in overdoses in the last year um how has that impacted service and and are you like are you feeling the the impact of that too as the service yeah absolutely the you know the paramedics are are it's almost become sort of expected or part of the job now but yeah absolutely they'll see a number of of uh suspected opioid overdoses um and it's a uh a challenge um they're they're very you know acutely sick people and the potential is there for for people to die and and sometimes they do um and it's it's um another very you know difficult call that's time sensitive and you need to do everything right. So, so there's pressure on paramedics that way. Um, there's also, you know, I think an expectation in the, in the public that, Oh, just give them that Narcan and, and they'll be okay. Well, it doesn't always work that way, especially, you know, uh, if they stop breathing some time ago, they may well have already passed away and, and there's a uh, little, you know, we'll try, but there's little that you can do to, to resuscitate them. Um, and then there's the complication around um, people who are having heart attacks or strokes or, or whatever else, uh, or, or maybe even overdosed on a different medication and people believe that, you know, you can give them Narcan and that will revive them. Um, it doesn't always, you know, work that way. And, uh, and so there's, there, there are a number of them out there in the community. Um, and uh, it's one more pressure that paramedics have to, to deal with. I mean, there's a lot of awareness about it too. And I mean, downtown, especially where a lot of um, drug users, you know, do spend their time. There are a lot of businesses and offices and things that have naloxone on hand. Um, does that, I mean, does that have any effect on, you know, how, how you do, uh, the paramedics do, you know, their job or and how they respond? I mean, is it, a, is it an asset to have people who have at least like a basic awareness to respond if there's an overdose? It's it's an asset, especially um, especially where where we aren't there yet, um, especially where um, there's going to be a, a few minutes delay. Um, if a paramedic uh, encounters somebody who may um, uh, be unconscious because of an overdose, but they're still breathing, it may very well be the paramedics will just support them, um, or we we provide uh, Narcan naloxone um, in in titrated small doses to to get the people so that they are just gradually waking up. Um, the downside of of the kits that are available is that you um, wake somebody up very suddenly, and it can be a dramatic experience. And and so we'll try to avoid doing that and scaring people and and taking away any pain relief that they've already got, um, but um, you don't have the opportunity to do that, you know, as a member of the public. Uh, but at the same time, it's certainly better to treat them than to allow them to go on not breathing adequately. Um, so um, if if we're not there, and if, if we're going to be a few minutes, uh, then the naloxone kids can absolutely save a life. Um, somebody, you, you know, the whole risk of a naloxone or sorry, of a narcotic overdose is that um, you you either stop breathing or you don't breathe adequately enough. Um, naloxone will reverse that. And, and now the people are breathing and, and it's dramatically better. Um, 
So if, if you can get that treatment to them in the uh, four to five minutes that it takes us to get there, that's, that can make a huge difference in people's lives. From, you know, the experience of dealing with overdoses, I mean, is there any advice that you or your paramedics have in terms of like, how do we tackle this big problem in the community? Or is it just like, you're, you're there to respond in the case of emergency. And if, if, you know, outside of the emergency situation, like the rest is kind of beyond your ken, if, if you know what I mean. Um, well, I, I, yeah, we don't quite go that far because I think we do have a role to play in you know, whether it's education or um, other, you know, sort of initiatives to try to, to um, help people that are, that are addicted and that are prone towards um, this. So we have a, a whole community paramedicine program aimed at uh, prevention and um, trying to, to mitigate the emergency before it actually happens. Um, we were also involved uh, a couple of years ago in the, um, in the supportive recovery room, which, which allowed people who, you know, were involved with, with medic, with, with overdoses or, or with uh, medication use to, to, to have a place to go to, to try to sleep it off, if I can say it that way. Um, so, so we're definitely involved with community groups looking at how do you, how do you, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, support these people. Um, we are supportive of the the um, consumption sites. Um, I don't know that that's you know it's not a great alternative, and I think everybody would admit that it's not it's not a great answer, but it's the best we've got right now. So so yeah, we we are involved in the conversations, and we're as supportive as we can be. And you know, if if we um, uh, get the opportunity, we absolutely would encourage people to to use those sites and not use alone and um we also you know our friends in the police department will tell us when they are starting to find you know some of the purple fentanyl or something that's high risk because people may not understand the strength of, of substances they're using and as much as we can we make that known we spread the word um make people aware don't use alone because there's there's some of that out there right now and you might be surprised at how strong the stuff is that you're using so we yeah. do our part as much as we can before we run out of time i want to kind of just look ahead to the future briefly i mean is it possible everything that the pandemic has put us through like has that changed do you think that will change the service in a, any kind of permanent way like is it foreseeable that maybe we just out of an abundance of precaution we're going to have the extra PPE for a while, just to be sure. I mean, we have variants popping up all the time and, you know, it's even people who have been vaccinated, rare cases have tested positive. It, it just seems like there's no kind of end date for, for normal to begin again. And I'm wondering, have you thought about that? Well, yeah, to, to some extent on the, you know, on the one hand, um, we've been dealing with infectious patients for um, long before the pandemic. So um, what was really interesting was, you know, an emergency declared in March of last year. And I think it was in February, we had just um, sort of had to react to uh, paramedics had carried a patient who turned out to have meningitis. Mm. Um, and so we, you know, we had to make sure that they had taken proper precautions during the call and make sure that they're aware of it so that they can watch for symptoms. Um, and so it's not something that was totally new to paramedics, but 
the scope of it absolutely is. And so you're right, you know, of course, we'll have to ha make sure that we have a, a, a supply of PPE. We, we did have, of course, some, but nobody anticipated the scope of, of this pandemic. Um, and so we, we will hopefully learn the lesson and hopefully, you know, in the future, maintain enough supplies so that should the next pandemic strike that we're ready for that. Um, but I think that there's more to it than that. I think that there is, um, you know, lessons to be learned about, um, uh, you know, treating people at home, especially in, in uh, long-term care facilities. And, and can we treat people there without using the hospitals um, about um, uh, moving people between hospitals about sort of leveling out the care in hospitals when one hospital becomes really crowded, whether that's just kind of like a, um, the way that it turned out, all the emergencies happen in one area. Um, we've developed protocols where we can, uh, move people to to another hospital or use another emergency room, um, and so some of those protocols I think will will um, last longer than the pandemic, which you know I hope is on its last legs, and and hopefully in the in the couple of uh, months we'll be able to talk about back when there was COVID we learned these lessons and uh, um, and now we're we're um, you know. Uh, and I and I think that that uh, paramedics as a profession, um, I think that that's actually going to make a difference too. And that I think you know, um, I don't know that um, some of our provincial leaders and and that uh, some people in the public knew the difference between a paramedic and a firefighter um, or um, you know other responders um, a few months ago. Um, it wasn't that uncommon. Um, for people to refer to paramedics as ambulance drivers. Um, and so, you know, people had that impression about, well, you guys just come and throw people on a stretcher and take them to the hospital. Um, and I think that, that paramedics have um, gotten a little bit more exposure and a little bit um, more recognition for what they are doing. They're really uh, highly educated. It's, it's two years of college to come in at the primary care level, and it's another year to get to the advanced care level. Um, and there's a lot of ongoing education. There's provincial certification. Um, they're well-educated, and, and they're providing a lot of care out there. And I think that they're starting to get that recognition, um, and I think that'll, that'll, uh, that may, I hopefully last longer than the pandemic does. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, maybe to wrap things up, I, I won't ask you to disclose how many years you've been part of the service, but, uh, I mean, for, for you personally, I mean, what, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about the job from the pandemic? You know, what, what is your personal takeaway from all of this? Uh, yeah, so I don't mind telling you, I, I started as a paramedic in 1984. So, uh, um, yeah, it's been a long road and I've and I've seen this uh, again, the profession um, mature quite a bit. Um, and uh, I came to Guelph 2011 um, and I've watched the service change. Um, the, the pandemic for me um, reinforced the again that paramedics are different. Um, and the paramedics in our service are different and they're committed and they are, um, they're really uh, special people. Um, I'm really proud of the team that, that I lead. Um, you know, again, stepping up to do all of the things that we talked about earlier, um, always have done that and always hear about um, people that have gone that extra mile for, for some of the people. And it's all in the background. You, you know, it's not something that, that makes the front page of the newspaper um but it's just sort of allows them their self-satisfaction um and so i guess it just confirmed that for me the pandemic the way that people have stepped up have just allowed people to demonstrate that they are really unique people and uh, i'm again i'm really 
um, proud of them, and I'm really um, happy to be in a position to to be the leader of this organization because it's uh, uh, it's great to represent these people. It doesn't make the front page when everything's working well. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> well. Uh, take this podcast as a small bit of recognition anyway, but no, I appreciate it. I mean, again, I'm always happy to be able to, to brag about the people I work with. So uh, I appreciate you paying attention to our service. Well, we'll leave it there. And uh, chief Stephen Dewar, we thank you for all your time today. Thank you. And once again, that was chief Stephen Dewar. Next week's committee of the whole meeting will receive the updated performance statistics for paramedic services. You can learn more about Guelph Wellington paramedic services at their page on the city's website under the living section, and then you can visit some of the great information from Paramedic Services Week at the Ontario Association of Paramedic Chiefs website, and you can find all those links on the show notes page for the episode. And that is it for this episode of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, which is at the University Center on the University of Guelph campus. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast on Wednesday from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can download it from the host at podbean at guelphpoliticast.podbean.com. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can get in touch with me by email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. You can reach me through Twitter at adamadonaldson or at guelphpolitico. Find the Guelph Politico Facebook page at facebook.com slash politicoguelph. And if you'd like to help build a locally sourced independent media outlet in the city of Guelph, then please consider donating to Guelph Politico. And you can find that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we'll have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time. (laughs) 